0: In. Off the weekend that has seen us narrow things down to the Sweet 16, welcome back in. It's the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is College Basketball Coast to Coast. Thank you for finding us either on the streaming tune-in channel, College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're also partnered with Last Word on sports.com. They're helping promote us as well. And we now have a sweet 16 ready to go at four different sites for later this week. 68 teams just like that. Down to 16 after a myriad of games on Saturday and Sunday. I'm the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. I've enlisted the help of Matt Zimmick from the USA Today Trojans Wire website. Also our West Coast Bureau Chief here. We lean on him everything uh, kind of uh, west, let's say, of the Mississippi. We love his insight. Uh, Great to have Matt Zimmick here. Good to have you back, my
1: friend. How are things? Things are crazy, but things are new in college basketball. We'll talk about this on the show.
0: Oh, yeah. Very much a lot of new blood as opposed to blue blood, old blood. Deshaun Tate, always love your insight, particularly when it's a Sparty party that is also, I think, still ongoing Sunday night into Monday morning after Michigan State won their round of 32 game, knocking off the two-seed Marquette, and you were O.L., you were on location inside uh, of the arena in Columbus for that win. So we appreciate some on time some on-site Intel that's upcoming from you. First of all, just as general comment, you feeling good. Uh, the party's still ongoing for Michigan State's victory and you were there in person?
2: It is, yeah, for sure. And just when I thought that all right, got rid of the uh, uh, got rid of the baby Breslin and sent her on her way to Florida. I get a chance to get some sleep. Now there's a lot of madness, so that means that there's no sleep. So I guess I might as well start getting used to no sleep.
0: Uh, If Matt was not aware of this and the audience is not aware of this, Deshaun's a new dad. That's what he's talking about. And he named the baby Breslin after the Breslin Center, and so he thought (laughs) he was going to get some sleep. But now the uh, the madness is keeping us all up until the early uh, morning hours. Uh, Deshaun,
1: congratulations!
0: There we go. Thank you,
2: thank you. Deshaun,
0: I promise uh, we're going to get back to everything in Columbus. But Matt, just give me an overall thought, maybe not just off a Sunday, but Saturday, an overall thought on the weekend. Now that we're down to sixteen teams,
1: it's it's new blood. I mean, so you alluded to it earlier. Here's the thing: so Deshaun is a Michigan State guy. If Michigan State and Tom Izzo do not make the Final Four. We are guaranteed to have two teams in the final four that have either never been there or haven't been there since the 1960s. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Alabama never been there. San Diego state never been there. Creighton never been there. Princeton's been there once 1965. That's Senator Bill Bradley. He scored 58 points in the third place game against Wichita state (laughs) in that final four. And then. FAU never been there, Tennessee never been there, and Kansas State hasn't been there since 1964. Mm. Kansas State made one appearance in the national title game in 1951. So if it's not ISO, you're gonna get uh, uh two teams that have either haven't been there or haven't been there in forever, in like 60 uh years or so. And uh Kansas State's the only non-Michigan state program with even one appearance in the National Title Game. So fresh faces which is fantastic for college basketball that no matter where you go, where you play, you have a shot. You're at a 15 seed, you have a shot. Florida Atlantic, you have a shot. This is this is such a democratizing moment for the sport. It's absolutely wonderful.
0: That's why I love this man as a national college basketball a writer and historian for the better part of a 30-year career, and I lean on him heavily. All right, Deshaun Tate, overall thought, only two one-seeds survived the weekend. That's Houston and Alabama. And only, what, two of the two seeds got through. That's Texas and UCLA. We lost two ones. We lost two twos. We're down to 16 teams. Just an overall thought, Deshaun.
2: I think it's crazy, you know, especially when you start, you know, focusing on the fact of one of those twos and one of those uh, ones talking about, you know, two Texas teams could be potentially meeting up in the Elite Eight to decide on who's going to go to Texas. I know that sounds crazy, right? Uh, And then obviously, you know, you have UCLA and, you know, I know that Gonzaga's a three seed, but those are the two teams out West. We haven't seen a team out West win the whole thing since uh, 97 uh, when Arizona did it. So, I know a lot of people are putting a lot of stock in Alabama. We are talking about basketball. We are not talking about football. Uh, and But you know what? They've they've got you know some of the reservations for me and red flags and everything else. But I feel like right now everybody wants to see Alabama lose more than they do Floyd Mayweather. So good luck with
0: that. <laughs> it's a good line to throw in there on boxing, too, while we're at it. Uh, interesting that on the other half of the bracket, when you were going over all the uh, programs that haven't been in the final four in the sixties, it's littered in the sweet 16, uh, from Houston, uh, to Texas, to Arkansas, to Yukon to Gonzaga, to UCLA, they've all been in the final four. So the other half is the, is kind of the exact opposite as we look at the sweet 16 and we, but we didn't get the biggest names, the Dukes. The Kentuckys, the Kansases, even into the Sweet 16. It just truly shows you anything's wide open. Deshaun, I'm going to come right back to you because, again, you are freshest for us having been inside a site of a first and second round in Columbus, the second round games on Sunday. All right, get it out of the way. Uh, You're not wearing green. By the way, the audience should know this. Zimmick knows this, seeing this, and we may put a clip on the Internet. Is it me or does you, does Deshaun match the curtains in the hotel room <laughs> while we're doing the video, Matt Zimick? Because I swear to you, Deshaun like color coordinated with the uh, like gray and gold curtains behind him. Whether that was intentional or not, my point is, uh, uh, Matt Zimick, verify. Yes, I'm not nuts, right? I'm not blind. You see it I like can I look see- at
1: the screen just the way you can. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right, but my point is, you're not in sparty green. Uh, no. The green back to the Sweet 16 for Tom Izzo. Yet again, you were there in the arena. How did they get it done against a good Marquette team, a really good Marquette team?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, I'd definitely like to make sure I mention after all the crap people give the Big Ten, there is only one Big Ten team left. No surprise, it's March, Michigan State still remaining. And, of course, you can't see it, but I do have on my green Michigan State socks. Just had to keep it <laughs> neutral because I was working. Okay. Uh, outside of that, in terms of, In terms of um, how they get there, um, you know, Michigan State really, you know, they got off to a a good double-digit, you know, lead on Marquette. And uh, I think it was just more of the matter of just the experienced guards. you got a Hall of Fame coach, all these other things. And, of course, they ended up losing a little bit of that uh, firepower and and high-octane offense a little bit. And, hey, has had to rely on what typical Michigan State teams do around this time of year, which is their defense. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team that has, you know, shot, you know, two for something crazy and then advanced to the 316 from three. Uh, but that was something that Michigan State was able to do and pull off and just stifling defense. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's a known thing around East Lansing that, You know, if they find a way to win in the first round, the players pull them through, then Tom Izzo makes his promises to the players that he'll pull them through in the second round to advance to the Sweet 16. So Sparty is Spartying on, and Sparty is doing typical Sparty things, but they've got their handful in the Big Apple when it comes to Kansas State.
0: Did I see, I heard them mentioning the stat, it's 24-7, and is that right? In the last 31 games on the second game with one day notice, whether it's the first weekend or the Sweet 16 or the Final Four, he's now 24 and seven. That's about a 75 percent win clip on the one day preparation. Hey, Deshaun, if do I have that close to right? That's incredible. That's incredible if that's the case.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if that's exactly correct, but I am going to take your word for it. It sounds about right. Uh, you know, it's just they're just you know that's the dangerous thing about Michigan State is when the expectations are high. They probably don't show up, Uh, but when they're just floating and people tend to forget about them and not paying attention, which is another crazy part about uh, Gonzaga this year uh, of all teams. But uh, as far as Michigan State, when they're just floating and nobody's paying attention, it's like, watch out because it's Izzo time. You know how this goes. You know the motto. January, February, Izzo, (laughs) April, May, the whole nine. That's just typically the way that it Matt goes. Matt Zimick
0: uh, had shirts made that say that. There, there are shirts <laughs> that exist out there that say January, February, IsO, April. You're right, uh, and they and they got it done. Uh, again, just I'm leaning on to Sean Matt. I'm coming to you in just a second. What was the arena like? Because that's Columbus, Ohio State country. Did Michigan State? Have a have a decent crowd in there where it was yeah. loud for Michigan State. Was it about 50-50 with the Marquette fans from Milwaukee? What was it like in the building? Yeah.
2: It was about 50-50. I mean, Michigan State typically travels pretty well anyways, no matter where they are and what you know region or part of the country that they're in. But there was a lot of Marquette, and believe it or not, uh, it was a really interesting piece when the starting lineups were called. You got Joey Hauser, who was a transfer from Marquette, and I uh, was really curious to know when he was, you know, name was called in the starting lineup. You did get a lot of booze, but I guess Michigan State won in the end, not only the end result, but also as the time was winding down, the entire arena was cheering Joey, Joey, Joey. So a little bit of payback for Sparty against Marquette.
0: Hey, Matt, just give me a thought on Izzo. Uh, and, and here they are again in the Sweet 16 with a team It's not one of his best teams, but there they are.
1: Yeah, some so some, some bracket facts about Izzo. This is the sixth time he's taken a seed five or lower to the Sweet 16. That is a record. It's mm. the third time he's taken a number seven seed specifically to the Sweet 16. He did it in 2003. That was the team that went to the Elite Eight, lost to Texas in the TJ Ford team. Uh, and then in 2015, he took the a seven seed all the way to the Final Four before uh, losing to Duke. Uh, so, like, you know, he, he, he is cash money. In these NCAA tournament games, and here's here's perhaps the biggest stat of all. That twenty-four and seven is amazing, but also this, he has won sixteen NCAA tournament games as a lower seed. That there, is a record. There are a lot of big-time coaches. Phenomenal.
0: There are a lot of big-time coaches that aren't lower seeds a lot of the time, but there are a lot of big-time coaches that don't win three or four of them. He's won sixteen of them. Yes, <laughs> as a lower seed, wearing road
1: jerseys. Yep, that is
0: staggering. Ridiculous, ridiculous uh, on that front. So, Matt, follow up. On uh, on Sunday, we have seen in the final game of Sunday, Gonzaga win. That means we'll get the Gonzaga-UCLA matchup uh, that will be in Las Vegas. The western part of the country will obviously be locked in on that one when it takes place on uh, Thursday night. It's Thursday, Saturday in Las Vegas at the West Regional. Uh, any thought on the Zags who made all the big shots? Drew Timmy made huge plays and big shots. Any thought on the Zags watching that Sunday night real quick as we recap?
1: Well, first off, the, the West Regional should basically be called the 1995 Regional with UConn, Arkansas, and UCLA there, you I mean, also Gonzaga. But basically, it's the 1995 Regional. <laughs> uh, so, you know, in terms of Gonzaga-TCU, Drew Timmy was not going to let his career end. And the other thing that really showed up, TCU not having big man Eddie Lampkin. You know, he left the team. He declared his intent to enter the transfer portal. Well, you put Lampkin on the floor in that game; it would have really changed the dynamic. So that was a that was a really aching hole, a big yawning gap uh, for TCU in that game. And Gonzaga and Timmy uh, took full advantage of it. That's really one of the the, the central plot points of that. Because TCU with Lampkin, along with Mike Miles, along with Ba, you know that that's a really complete team. But not having Lampkin there, it really showed up in this game gonzaga had the personnel to expose that uh absence
0: yeah tyler jones was on on with us on the sunday preview he's uh in the big 12 footprint has great insight he said i think this tcu team may run out of gas they kind of looked out of gas at the end of the year they played well for a lot of this game but to tyler's point the last 10 minutes gonzaga had extra legs i thought extra stamina uh, you mentioned Lampkin not being there. Mile, Miles went a while oh, a while without scoring, which was another thing. And Mark Few, what can you say about the dynasty that he has built uh, with that small little Catholic school in the Pacific Northwest that just keeps rolling along with all the big boys and making it happen? Hey, uh, you mentioned uh, the one other team uh, that we saw Sunday, UConn. UConn, all the way in Albany, all the way away from the western part of the United States, did qualify for the West Uh, the semifinal and regional final uh, by beating St. Mary's, another Western team, Matt, just a quick thought on that. I mean, UConn made a ton of shots, both in the win over Iona Friday and on Sunday.
1: Yeah, the thing about the game uh, against St. Mary's is that St. Mary's point guard, Aiden Mahaney, you know, he beat Gonzaga earlier this season. He's going to be so special, but he was a freshman. Like this was his first NCAA tournament rodeo. He's going to be a monster in future seasons for Randy Bennett. But this was his baptism by fire. You know, if you have a senior or junior Aiden Mahaney, this game might be very different. Aiden Mahaney might be able to dictate uh, at a higher level at, and, and have more of an influence on the game. But this was his baptism. And, and he didn't have enough to offset UConn's amazing size. And that's the thing about UConn. They just c- have big, long, muscular bodies that come at you in waves. And so Aiden Mahaney, as a freshman, not fully equipped to deal with that. Iona, not fully equipped to deal with that on Friday. And, uh, you know, UConn-Arkansas, just that matchup. So UConn with, you know, the physically more imposing team. But Arkansas going for a third straight OEA if it can win this game. And Eric Musselman spent the year failing to get his team to come together most of the way. And, you know, what's the muscleman uh, DNA? What's the, what's his MO? We're down 10 at halftime. We have the fresher legs. We have the fuller tank in the second half. And that's what he brought back. That's what he rediscovered against Kansas. But like you go back to Nevada and the run of the sweet 16. That's what Nevada did. Make second half comebacks. Did it with Arkansas last year in the NCAA tournament. Did it two years ago in 2021. Was down to Texas tech. Came back. So, like a muscleman has his team playing playing the way he wants, and Arkansas is built for forty minutes. Arkansas is not going to run out of steam the way UConn's uh, first two opponents did. So that's going to be the fascinating uh, plot point there.
0: Yep, give them credit because they took it from Kansas. There is no doubt. That's the voice of Matt Zemeck. Follow him on social media at Matt Z e m e k. Uh, again, he writes for the Trojans Wire website, USA Today. Uh, a family fleet of uh, of their uh, websites that they have, and he also has been uh, most gracious with time and insight here on college basketball coast-to-coast Coast for several years now with me, giving great perspective as you're hearing. Deshaun Tate also with me, Mr. Tate's Take Hoops on Twitter. All right, back to you being in the arena in Columbus. Just what everybody had, Fairleigh Dickinson and Florida Atlantic for a spot in the Sweet 16. What was the arena like because no Purdue – no Memphis, my God! Memphis had the door wide open to Sean to walk right through it and be in New York, and they couldn't beat Florida Atlantic. Give the Owls credit, and then give them credit on Sunday night for beating a feisty Fairleigh Dickinson team. But what was it like in the arena? What did you see out of FAU firsthand this weekend?
2: It was it was it was crazy, uh, TJ. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, when, out of all the basketball that I've seen throughout the entire tournament it's still shocking to know that I am in the building for a 16 over a one. And it's obviously very much different than it was when we saw for UMBC, because when you're, when you're there and you're kind of feeling it, you kind of go from, okay, well, this is cute. You know, they're playing very well and we'll see if they can hold on. And then it starts turning to hold on. If this thing starts to hit just right, we could be looking at something special. Then it just dawns on you that like, I think we're about to realize this. Like this is really happening. Um, phenomenal job by, you know, FDU and even just by keeping it really, really competitive uh, against Florida Atlantic. But give Florida Atlantic credit. they won over 30 games this year. You know, they were ranked in the top 25 for a good portion of the season this year as well. And, um, you know, obviously they're going to be advancing on in a very winnable game, at least I like to think so, especially if it comes down to scoring uh, against Tennessee. So uh, Florida Atlantic, take your caps off to them because, look, listen, they're in their own way a Cinderella within themselves. Right. It's kind of weird to even think that because of uh, everything that Fairly Dickens did, did. did. They Looking hang credit.
0: around in the building uh, after the Marquette Michigan State game. Were there a lot of fans still left in the building on Sunday night? Because again, these are not brand names at all. Did the fans stick around in Columbus?
2: They did. They stuck around for a good bit. And I mean, those were rabid fan bases. Like they really came out and came, you know, came to show and support and cheer on their teams. And I mean, this, it, w- it was definitely expected to be a pretty good game and and it definitely was. And you got to give credit to both of those programs because neither one of them looked like mid-major programs playing in mid-major conferences. No,
0: no doubt. And I joked uh, with Tyler, I joked on Saturday night uh, with some different people off the air uh, with some different stuff. In fact, uh, on the, on the bet us preview show that we did on Saturday that if I had told anybody before the year began that Florida Atlantic's going to be ranked in the top 25, nobody believes that they were um, on a couple of occasions, that uh, Florida Atlantic's going to make their first ever NCAA tournament, which they did and win a game. And then in round two, they're going to be favored by 15 points, which they were over Fairleigh Dickinson and did not cover, by the way. You would have drug tested me, either that or you would have committed me uh, somewhere. But that's actually real life. That's actually what happened. And again, Fairly Dickinson deserves uh, a tremendous amount of credit uh, for the upset they pulled over Purdue. But again, uh, we keep it all in perspective. I mean, it's a monumental upset. They're a team that was not in the top 300 in any metric, in any power ranking. They didn't even win the conference tournament that they were in. On the quirk in the Northeast Conference, uh, Mary Mack was not eligible for the NCAA tournament. Mary Mack won the tournament on their home floor, but they had already designated. Fairly Dickinson gets to go to the NCAA tournament. Now they turn around and beat Purdue and take out Purdue. It was just wild, and it's what we love uh, about the tournament, that's for sure. A few moments left uh, before we turn it loose here for later on in the week and the the Sweet 16. Guys, anything else that you want to cover Saturday, Sunday? Matt Zimmick, you first. uh, From anybody else that made their way into the Sweet 16 that you haven't talked about yet. Anything else that stood out?
1: Yeah, Jim Laranega making back to back Sweet 16s at Miami. And it has to be said, if Jim Laranega was coaching in the Blue Blood, like there would be no shortage of stories about how great and awesome and unbelievable he is. Let's be clear Jim Larenega is the best of the best creme de la creme. Like he belongs right up there with Bill Self and the other very, very best coaches in the country. No, there's nothing second tier. Like, he's not below Izzo. He's not below Self. He is right there at the top. And again, it's only because he hasn't coached at elite basketball schools. You take George Mason to the Final Four. You take Miami to its first Elite Eight ever. You win uh, multiple ACC championships. Uh, and now you take Miami to the Sweet 16 in consecutive seasons. You know, Nega is a lot like uh, the recently retired Bob McKillop. If Bob McKillop had coached at a Blue Blood, North Carolina, Kentucky, it's my firm belief he'd have three national titles. Mm. And it's the and it's the same for Laranega. If he had been coaching at a Blue Blood school, he just didn't choose that. But if he did, is there's no one better. Like Bill Self is as good as Lar- Laranega, but he's doing it at Kansas. So he has the resources, the profile, the ability to be a number one seed virtually every year. Uh, but Laranega doing what he's doing at Miami, it cannot be said enough just how phenomenal a job he's doing, Uh, you know, Kelvin Sampson at Houston. And so, you know, Miami versus Houston, Kelvin Sampson is really in that same category too, uh, that those guys, if they were coaching at blue bloods, um, you know, and and it's really, there's an irony here that if uh, Indiana had beaten Miami, we'd be talking about Kelvin Sampson all week in the phone controversy, uh, you know, heading into a Houston, uh, Indiana matchup, but still Laranega versus Kelvin Sampson, like, those guys are as good as the Selfs and the Izzos. They're, they're just coaching at less high-profile programs.
0: Well, and again, Houston in the Final Four a couple of years ago has a chance to maybe get back there with the Final Four in Houston uh, and stirring up the memories of Akeem Olajuwon and, and Elvin Hayes, etc. Uh, while they do it. Uh, Deshaun Tate, just an overall thought, not maybe just from Sunday, but from Saturday, anything else? Anything else that stood out about the teams that won and made the Sweet 16 that we haven't covered real quick?
2: Well, I think it's funny that we're even talking about, you know, the, the players that are coming back from that Houston team a couple of years ago because they're not the only ones. UCLA is also bringing back mm-hmm. some players from a Final Four run that they made that exact same year. But I want to keep it right here within the Midwest region, especially because we're talking about these coaches. Some of the most underrated and underappreciated coaches that you have in that particular region. We already talked about Jim Laranega. And of course, Kelvin Sampson, who I think is a top five coach amongst those who are active right now, obviously doesn't have a national championship, but it's certainly in the Hall of Fame conversation. How about at Xavier, where Sean Miller is making his second trip back to uh, the Cincinnati area? And, you know, before we even got to a point where we're talking about Gonzaga and some of these other teams, VCU, George Mason, everybody else that has made it uh, as Cinderella's to the Final Four, that kind of... Felt like Xavier for so many of those years, but they were just always knocking on the door and never able to do it. I don't think they've made the uh, Elite Eight maybe since 2017 or 18, somewhere right in that range. Sean Miller deserves to be talked about as well. They're a sleeper for the final four, I thought. And then, of course, you have Texas with Rodney Perry, which I feel like is absolutely un-American. That, that job is technically still available uh, I think it's a little bit weird in my own at personal this, at opinion. At this
0: point, are they are they got to give him the job. I mean, what are they waiting <laughs> yeah, on? Are they waiting mean, on the Final Four before they make that official, or what are they waiting on?
2: It, it, well, I don't know, and that's the that's the elephant in the room. That's the big million-dollar question there, and I'll be honest with you. If I'm Rodney Perry and I take this team to the Final Four and you still haven't offered me the job, you want to wait that long to do it, I'm probably not going to take it. I'm going to try and take my shot at Georgetown or elsewhere. How about Texas mm. Tech, like the other coach did, but it reversed it. Uh, so I don't know. I, uh, again, I just think that uh that 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 kind of leaves a little sour taste in my mouth a little bit that he hasn't been given that opportunity just yet. But how about listen, you got uh, that's probably what the only team left from the final four exactly twenty years ago to this date where you had Marquette, they got eliminated, Kansas got eliminated. Syracuse didn't make it. But there is one team still left there, and that is the University of Texas from 20 years ago. So maybe they can duplicate.
0: How about that? Uh, By the way, Princeton in the Ivy League makes the Sweet 16. Uh, I mean, we've seen Cornell do this in this century. We've seen Harvard get to a Sweet 16. So some Ivy League teams making some noise. You referenced Bill Bradley. How about that? Going back to the 1960s, Drew Timmy, by the way, matched Bill Bradley and several other prominent players like Danny Manning, Glenn Rice. I'm going to leave somebody out uh, by scoring uh, Corliss Williamson, another one speaking of Arkansas in the 90s, uh, scoring 20 or more in his ninth NCA tournament game. Bill wow. Bradley, Bill Bradley in the 60s, I believe, was the first to do it. Nine tournament games. And that's that's in years when they didn't have six tournament games in the same calendar year. They didn't play as many. Uh, That's uh, that's pretty amazing. But Princeton moves through. And, guys, I was at uh, the two games on um, Saturday in Orlando. One was a south bracket game. One was an east bracket game. San Diego State's defense, legit in person. They are long. They are physical. That's a fascinating matchup with a long, explosive, three-point shooting Alabama team that's going to be coming in Louisville. And Tennessee tremendous in the second half, shooting the ball, unlike what we really saw at all in the SEC down the stretch. They they shot very well against Duke. Will that continue at Madison Square Garden or not? Rick Barnes has come up short a bunch in March, but he silenced some critics with the Duke win. And if they can get it done against Florida Atlantic and get into the Elite Eight, he'll silence even more critics. Again, very impressed with what Tennessee obviously did, even without their point guard, Ziegler, who's out for the year with a torn knee at the very end of the season. They were very good. Those are just a couple of impressions from me. Final thoughts. Give me like 30, 40 seconds each. Matt Zimmick, final thoughts. Sweet 16 coming at four locales. The Garden, Louisville, Kansas City, Las Vegas. Final thought.
1: Okay, so you were mentioning Tennessee tennessee's made the elite eight once in its history never the final four but it made the elite eight once when it did who was the opponent Michigan party
2: <laughs>
1: if, if so that was 2010 and that's, Then that's St. bruce Louis. pearl
0: that's bruce so, pearl and, right that's as the coach. right
1: that's right and so if tennessee beats florida atlantic who could be waiting michigan state so you know fat Fascinating confluence of possibilities uh, coming up in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight.
0: No doubt. And you've got, uh, we haven't touched on Creighton and how well they played against uh Baylor. They've got a shot maybe to be in the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16. uh And we, I, I'm just double checking that we left anybody else out that we did not cover. I think that's everybody else we covered. Deshaun Tate, final thought, sir.
2: Loving San Diego State's chances to get to the Final Four. I know a lot of people probably not thinking that that is of popular opinion Uh, but I think this is where we see the last number one seed eliminated personally and of course you got Houston who's got a lot of pressure not just necessarily on groin areas to start players like Marcus Sasser but even more so the fact that remember this whole thing is going to be played in Houston Texas so a little bit more pressure haven't seen that very many times I know Michigan State in 2009 losing in the title game to Carolina very next year, Duke takes down Butler in their own backyard on a buzzer beater that was missed by Gordon Hayward. And then could this be Gonzaga's year? I mean, this you, you, in, in, in years where we keep talking about Gonzaga, 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 most people, the consensus I would, I would like to think has kind of washed their hands with Gonzaga for the most part because they continue to fail to win the national championship. So many big name teams, programs, Blue Bloods, and everything else out of their way for the most part. I know UCLA is still a a blue blood, but this could be the year for the Zags.
0: Well, if San Diego State beats Alabama in the Sweet 16, then that guarantees San Diego State, Creighton, or Princeton is in the Final Four. Exactly what everybody thought when the year began, (laughs) that one of those teams would be in Houston. That's why we love this tournament. So promise me, gentlemen, that we get to do this again and chat it up as the Sweet 16 turns into the Elite Eight and then the Final Four later on on college basketball coast-to-coast. Promise me that we can do this again. Matt Zimmick, great stuff. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Deshaun Tate, excellent stuff there from Columbus. Be safe traveling back uh, to the Atlanta area where you're based, and I look forward to talking with you again, my friend. Good stuff, late night, Sunday night.
2: Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, TJ. Uh,
0: Great stuff from both those guys. Follow Matt at Matt Zimmick Z-E-M-E-K. Uh, on twitter great follow lots of insight on the uh, ncaa tournament and all other things deshaun tate is a tates take hoops h-o-o-p-s find him uh, there as well again another edition of college basketball coast to coast in the books we've got the sweet 16 coming later this week on thursday and friday with spots up for grabs in the elite eight we'll be talking more about it make sure you're following subscribing apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify We stream also on TuneIn on the channel that's called College Basketball Coast to Coast. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Uh, Thanks for being with us off the weekend. Now we get ready for everything in New York, Louisville, Kansas City, and Las Vegas coming later this week. And we'll be all over it on College Basketball Coast to Coast.